Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hope Builders. We're going to go ahead and get started. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Home improvement. Uh, we're going to all be Tim the Tool Man today, I guess, you know? <laughs> God's plan for our homes is to prosper. Oh, thanks. Thanks. All right, is that a little bit better? Sweet. God's plan is for our homes to prosper. It's not about the building. It's about the heart. It's not about just our home itself. It's about the people. That's what our home is. And the design is how are we going to build our homes? Unless the Lord builds the house. We started this lesson last week, so the beginning part of this, I'm going to go through a little quickly. The builders labor in vain. It becomes worthless. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. When we talk about using the Lord's blueprint, what I'm talking about is what plan do you have for your home? In other words, it's not about the construction of your home, though obviously blueprints are designed for that. This series, though, is uh, I, I, I'm wanting us to go beyond just doing life. In other words, you, you go home, you do your things, you cook. You clean, you go to work, you take care of the kids, you take care of the grandkids, you do life, and you do it the next day, and the next day, and the years go by, and it's like, wow, you know, Sarah was talking to me this week, and she was like, I can't believe Sunday's May 1st already. It seems like it was just January 1, and four months, one third of the year is already gone. Anybody else think that way? Yeah. Yeah, you think that this is flying, right? Well, the, the question of life is going to fly. It's going to seem, and especially if you're busy, okay? If you're not busy, time goes very slowly. It's like when you're a kid. When you're younger, life just seems to go on forever. As soon as you grow up, life starts speeding up, it feels like, because you're so busy. The question, though, is, are we doing life in general, specifically? Doing our stuff. Doing our responsibilities, taking care of everything we have to do. Do we have an intentional plan for our homes? That's what I'm talking about. In other words, what are the things you want to see accomplished in your home and in your family? What you want to accomplish in your own personal life? I've shared this before. When when Cheryl and I were first married. Five or six times in that first year of marriage, and I blew up. I had an anger issue. It frightened Cheryl. It was like she wasn't used to somebody that would get angry like that. Okay? And I could see it in her. I, I loved Cheryl. I still love Cheryl. My friend. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
I loved Sarah, and I did not want to lose her. You know, and I, you know, it was funny this week. One of the one of my students saw us out and about, and she said, "Oh, I would be interested." And she goes, "This is your wife?" And I go, "Yeah, this is Cheryl." She goes, "He still cries when he talked about you saying you love him for the first time," and I did. I mean, I cry every time I think about that in relation when I tell my students because Cheryl was so impactful in my life. I didn't want to lose her, so I had to fix it. Right? Pastor John was talking about fixing it. Get it right. Get 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 working on the problems that you have. We all have problems. And if you don't understand that, you've got a problem. <laughs> we've got, all got stuff that we've got to deal with. The question is, are we dealing with it? In other words, you think about your own life this year and you go, okay, what's my stuff? What are the problems that I have in my own personal life? Okay? What are the things that we have in our own life that we would go, hey, I struggle with this. And are we working on that in particular? It could be an anger issue like me. It could be a jealousy issue. It could be a, a uh, communication issue. You're, you're, you're not communicating. You're, you're not communicating properly. You're not communicating biblically in your home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that you got to say, I got to work on. What is it with, what are the things that I want to teach my children or grandchildren? Is there a specific strategy that we have for actually constructing our kids or rebuilding what has been broken down by us. Because there are times when we will do things that will not be healthy. It will break things down. Okay? For example, just say, I, I've never done this, but if you may have, you may have known people who, I've known people who do this. Okay? You get angry. And you don't want to punch your spouse, ladies, <laughs> but you, you hit the wall. A guy will hit a wall and go right through the drywall, and there's this hole in the wall. Well, what do you got to do? Do you just leave the hole as a reminder of the sin that you experience, or do you fix it? You fix it. Now, the memory of that hole is going to be there. The memory of that sin is still going to be there. You can't change what you've done. This is the first day of the rest of your life. You can do nothing about the choices in your past. But my prayer for all of us, including myself, is that we make wise choices today. And as we go through this series, the question is, is are you, what are you doing strategically? What are the things that your family needs? Not necessarily mine, because every family is different. Every marriage is different. Every dad-daughter, every dad-son, every mom-daughter, every mom-son, relationships di different. Grandchildren, every one of them is different. So what is it that you need to work on? The question then for today, as we walk, finish this lesson, is this. When you walk out of here, what are you going to be intentional about to change positively within your home? As a child. How are you treating mom and dad? As a child, how are you doing the responsibilities that you have? How are you living up to those expectations and, and trusting the Lord through the whole thing, through that whole process? See, the blueprint that you have is a visual image. See, what you think about is, okay, what do I want my family to look like? Okay? It's a blueprint. It, it, what are the building materials? What is the stuff I need? Thank you, Will. My uh, my usher 
man is not here today to do that. They always faithfully passes those out. If you need a lesson sheet, raise your hand, and Will's going to get one of those to you. Okay? So we have plenty of them. Would you build your physical home without a clear design? And everybody last week said? No. no. Okay? So what is the blueprint? Who is the architect of your home? Is, you know, is it a talk show host? Is it a counselor on TV? Is it the internet? Is it this person or that person? Or this, this book or that book? What is it that you're using to design your home? The influences of, of the home, what should they look like? Okay, and obviously last week we talked about a biblical plan for our home. How do we do that? Okay, Psalm 128, 1 to 4, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Cheryl will be like a fruitful vine. Hallelujah. Your children will be like olive shoots around the table. And I love olives, so that's a good thing. I love them all. Green and your children will all shoot. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. The question is, then, see, the issue. Blessings for the man who what? Fears the Lord. If you fear the Lord, that is the beginning of what? Wisdom. Do we need wisdom in our homes today? Yeah. We don't only need wisdom for what to do. We need wisdom for how to fix what, and undo what we've done. Okay? And we need to learn how to do that properly. We know what it's like to live on sinking sand if we don't trust in the Lord. The results of that. Because every one of us, according to Luke 6, 46 to 49, it will come. Storms will come. Waves will come. And if we're not trusting in the Lord, if we're not living for the Lord, it, our home is going to crash. And we're not talking about, obviously, it's like the story of the three little pigs, right? I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. That's what Satan's like. He's going to huff and he's puffing and he's blowing our house down. But we need to be on a solid foundation, the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And we do that by getting into God's word, etc. Based upon that scripture. What happens when we build our homes up without Jesus Christ or consulting God in his word? It crashes. Because life is going to happen to all of us. There's going to be stuff that happens. Things that we did not plan for. Things that we did not prepare for. Things that we didn't think would ever happen. It will happen. And you, go, you just go, you know what? My dreams... Are fallen. It, I think I shared this last week. And I'll share it again this week. I, every one of the first classes at Liberty, when I begin teaching my class, the question that I ask them is this. I think I said it last week, but I'll say it again. What is it going to take for you to give up your faith? What's it going to take for you to go to say, you know what? I no longer am going to trust in God because. We, we live a life where the hills are alive with the sound of music. We live our lives with everything's going great until it, it stops being great. What's it going to take? A loss of a job, a loss of health, 
a, a loss of your ability to be an athlete the way you dreamed of being an athlete. If that is what you put your hope in, if that's what you put your trust in, it's going to crumble. But we need to put our faith and trust in the Lord. So what are the key components? First of all, we have to build on a foundation. That foundation is the Lord Jesus. Someone read for me 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I lay a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the building that we're talking about here, again, it's us. It's your spouse. It's your children. It's your grandchildren. What are we building? We're building on the foundation of what God is. And, and Paul is communicating here. Hey, I, I, built, I laid the foundation as a wise builder. I laid the foundation of your life, which is Jesus Christ. The question is, is are you continuing to build on that same foundation? Okay. Ever, ever see places where foundations are built and that it, they end right there? That's all they get. That's all the farther they get. They get the foundation. It's a, and they, they didn't plan properly. We are God's building. We must build on this foundation as co-workers. Folks, I need you in my life. Period. I need you in my life, and you need each other in your life. We need each other. This class is not about Lou Wider. It's about Jesus Christ and his word and what you do for each other. The encouragement that you provide the blessing that you are to each other. Each and every one of you provides something on the building format of what's being constructed here. Each one of us are to construct each other. That's why accountability partnerships within this room or outside the room with brothers and sisters Christ is so essential. That your friendships in this class get developed. That you build those relationships because let me tell you, if we're friends with the world, the world is going to influence us. We need each other so that we're building each other up spiritually. That we're encouraging each other spiritually. That you are using your spiritual gift or gifts to edify the body of Christ. That was the design. Whatever your gift is, use it for the Lord. To edify the body of Christ. To build them up. And you go, well, I don't have any place to serve. Find it. You will never be satisfied in your Christian life, if you're not serving, using your spiritual gift or gifts. If you're just living your life and it revolves around you and your happiness, you will never be happy. You've got to find where, God, can I use my gifts and talents to build the kingdom, to positively encourage, to help. And you know what? We've all made mistakes in our life. We've all done things that we regret. There's no one worthy, me included. I don't, I'm not worthy enough to be standing up here teaching like I'm some spiritual guru. Okay? I'm not. I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. And thank God for that. And I'm living now in the victorious Christian life as you are too. There is therefore now no condemnation. I'm not condemned. You're not condemned. So let's move on. Let's use our spiritual gifts and to edify the body someplace. Okay? We build each other up with care. We do this 
for each other through a, a variety of means. We talked about this last time, and I want to be able to get through this lesson, so I'm not going to draw it. The foundation is Christ. That means that we're, we're, we're trusting in his word for everything. We're building our homes. In other words, when I, when I leave here today, am I walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh? That depends on who cuts me off. <laughs> it depends on how long the light stays red. And I feel like it takes forever to get through the light. Or whatever the case may be. Or they said something that just ticked me off. How long am I going to be led by the Holy Spirit? Or when I, when's the flesh going to take over? And I start being led by the flesh. The second component is quality building materials must be used. What happens when poor building materials are used in our home? What happens when you use poor building materials? Have you ever been in a home that's been built with bad materials? Okay. I, I, I think I mentioned this last week. I may not have, but yeah, I did. My friend who built, bought a home, beautiful home, and realized, man, it, it just, the attic is so hot. Why is the attic so hot? I mean, it's got a ridge vent. It should be getting out of there. And then realized that the people who built the home never put the, the, the gap in for the ridge. They, they put the, you know, the, the, uh, yeah, all that kind of good stuff <laughs> together. And so they had to, he had to take a saw and saw down both sides so that he could actually get out of the ridge bed. Are you kidding me? But that's what people do. What happens when poor building materials are used? Pardon? It falls apart. It doesn't last. It collapses. It's a hazard. It's frustrating. And then usually what do you have to do then? Do you just go, I don't care. I mean, some people do. What do you have to do when you find out that something has not been built properly? You've got to fix it. And what, is that, what, what does that mean? When you fix it, either you've got to do it or you've got to hire somebody else to do it. And what is it going to take? Time and cha-ching, as you said. Money. So when you don't do it right the first time, it's going to take time and money to fix it. So my question then is, uh, Bob, oh, go ahead. I have a good example. Okay. We had a house in Forest. Uh, the plumbing in there, the, the piping in the plumbing was bad. It was the bad material when they put it in. We had to gut the whole house, put in new, new money pipe for the whole house. Yeah. I remember a house, I think our first house, there was galvanized, I think it was called galvanized steel, which if you find out what ends up happening is it corrodes on the inside and it clogs it up. They didn't have they didn't use copper, you know, and that happens. So my point is this, Can, are you picking up on it? If you don't build your life and your marriage and your family with good building materials, the word of God, it's going to cost you time and money to fix it. Do it right the first time. But that means selflessness. That means putting the Lord first. That's, 
Let me just say, that's hard. It's challenging. But you will have greater happiness in your life when you do it right than when you do it wrong. Okay? The real joy is when you've done it right. It may sacrifice, the sacrifice may be here. Now, it's, it's like for anyone who's into business and understands investments, People get frustrated, young people in particular, newly, newly married people get frustrated at times unless someone's talking into them that they begin investing and they're investing and they're taking money that they like to use now, but they're investing it in their 401k or 403b or whatever the case may be. And they're looking at that going, I want that now. I want to enjoy it now. And I've been doing this for 10 years. And I've only got this much saved. And we tell them, relax. Relax. Your investment will compound years from now. If you let it ride. Typically. <laughs> Under this administration, not so much. <laughs> but just like a, a good... You know, kidney stone, this too shall pass. <laughs> We're going to get through this. Don't get discouraged. Keep doing the right thing long enough and you will experience the fruit of your labor. Okay? What are the quality building materials needed for our homes? Scriptural truth. But the message of Christ, Colossians 3.16 says... Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit. From the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. The Word of God. So many hymns and so many songs that we sing are from the Word of God. Admonish yourself. Encourage yourself. Think on these things. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good what? Work. And that's what any good home takes. Sorry, folks. Well, this is a bad analogy anymore. It's not Disney. 24-7 in our homes. Thank the Lord for that. Okay? I'll never, I mean, people around the world have a completely different image of the reality of America. But, but still, we are so blessed as a nation. Amen? Amen? In the midst of everything, we're still blessed. Everybody wants to come here. We're most people. Not all of them. And some people hate America. And I wish they'd go someplace else to experience it for a while. You know? What is it like? But the bottom line becomes, wait. In America... Even with the freedoms that we have, a good marriage and a good family takes a lot of hard work. In fact, it can be exhausting. And we think the grass is greener on the other side, but it's usually over a septic tank. Okay? Because the same problems we bring in to have in our group relationship We'll have in our future ones. Everything's impacted by those decisions. You know? And so it's, it's not like it's going to get easier. No. It's work. But 
Man, the sweat of your labor is worth it. I know some of you don't like this, but I do. Cheryl does too. We're freaks. We're okay with that. We love mowing. We love mowing. When we're done with our lawn, you kind of look at it and you go, wow, that looks good. We put out mulch fires. We put our mulch on Cheryl's like, man, we should pay somebody to do this. I go, no, 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 don't ever pay somebody to do this. There'll be a day when that'll have to happen, but not right now. Because when we're done with our mulch, it was like, man, that looks good. Now, that's not pride. That's just the result of hard work. When you're sweating and you're doing and some of you are into construction. Some of you guys are amazing. I have, I have very little, I, I don't have that kind of stuff in my bones. I can do it, but I would hate every minute of it. To think of replacing the floors in, in our house or something like that would be like, uh, I'm not even praying about that. <laughs> I would be that guy that, that you see on those commercials that, Mom, Dad's trying to do the sink again. <laughs> you know, whatever. We have to provide training and instruction from the Lord. Ephesians 6.4. Someone read that for me. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let me tell you, guys, men, males, who are... <laughs> We can exasperate our kids. We can frustrate them. I know I have. Every one of us probably have done that. And there are times when I've said, and I'm sorry, please forgive me. But we bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Sometimes there's no perfect dad in this room. There's no perfect man in this room. We've all made mistakes. But the focus is, through this series, is I want you to think to yourself, what can I do intentionally to raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? For some, we have to go back and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I was wrong. For some, we have to go, tough love. You know what? I'm not going to permit that in this house. That is not appropriate to do, and I won't accept it. And if you want to live in our home, you're free to do that. But these are the rules. Walk in them. And if you decide to leave if after 18, I'm not talking about a 14-year-old. Okay? If, if, you want to, if you want to live your lifestyle the way you want to live it, you have all the freedom to do that. I am not kicking you out of this house. You're choosing to leave this house. If you don't want to follow one of these rules. And obviously those rules have to be wisdom and God-fearing and, and appropriate. Okay? All of those things have to be there. But fathers, are, am I intentional about raising my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? I wasn't perfect at it. You know, I wasn't. And that's where I have to then trust God who loves my kids even more than I do. But I, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I'm going to continue to be intentional. And we all should be intentional about raising our children and grandchildren in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That takes biblical knowledge. That takes me getting into God's word every day. That means I'm praying for them intentionally. That I'm actively involved in their life. That I'm not at a distance. That I'm actually communicating spiritual things. And it's not just, you know, I mean, I don't want to just, Luke and I are going to be really, I mean, our lives are going to change. Because he was a, a Titans fan. 
Guess what I've just become? I'm a Titans fan. But it had nothing to do with him. <laughs> so, though I keep it on my phone, it's like, yeah, go Titans. Every time I was like, hey, go Titans. Now I'm a real Titans fan. Why? Because <laughs> Malik is there. Praise the Lord. You know? Woohoo! But the bottom line is that we encourage each other in the Lord. If I just talked about football with him, I have failed as a father-in-law. It's not just about football. It's about spiritual truth. It's about God's word. Sandy. Um, I thought it was really interesting last week. I think it was last week. was Scott when he said that, that children obey your parents in the Lord. He said that the word, uh, it didn't matter what age they are. As long as they're in your house and you're providing their food and their board, so to speak. Yeah. You know, as long as you're taking, taking the responsibility of them, even if they're 25. They need to obey your rules. Yeah. And, and we tend to think 18, if, even if they're still like, then they can do what they want, even if they're in your home. He said, no. Yeah, that's right. Every, you know, like Dr. Townsend says, every tub sits on its own bottom. Every one of us is responsible. We have choices that we make. Okay, you can't force someone to be spiritual. You can't force your spouse. You can't force your children. You can't force your children. But you can create an atmosphere. Where they will grow in Christ. Discipleship. How do we make disciples in our home? Now, I want you to think about that. Because that's not the job of the church. Thomas Road Baptist Church. In our context. Are we doing this together? Absolutely. We are doing discipleship making together. How are you intentionally discipling your spouse, your children, your grandchildren. Discipleship. Matthew 6, 24. Someone read that for me. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, shall a person cannot be my disciple. Such a person cannot be my disciple. At 1 Corinthians 11, 1, go for it, brother. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Discipleship. Is it for the faint of heart? Discipleship isn't about just having fun with, with God. It's seriousness. It, it, it's, it's part of my prayer every, uh, every morning, Matthew 6, 24. Lord, help me to make wise decisions today. Help me to take up your cross and follow you. Lord, what that means for me is I've got to die to Lou and I need to live for you instead of my own desires. That's what discipleship is. This morning when you woke up, did you die to yourself? Did you go, it's not about my, about me and my happiness. It's, it's about the Lord. And let me tell you, there's a battle going on in my life every single day for my happiness as compared to the Lord's. 
It's, it's real. Anybody else feel that? Anybody else experience the battle? And, and I've shared this before, but the reality is, is God asking you to hate your family? No. In fact, that's the opposite of the commandment. What that means, though, is this. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, and it doesn't affect us like it does others. Let me tell you something. Um, one of these days, one of these Sundays, uh, I'm going to bring Eunice in here. I'm going to ask him to come and share in our class. Eunice was a young man who was from Morocco. Liberty, our office, LU Serve, sent a team of people down to Morocco when we were going to Spain and Morocco in relationship to uh, finishing out, you know, doing our um, you know, ministry for students that were interested in going into ministry there to get actively involved and in discipleship with Muslim people. He was a tour guide. As a tour guide, he was responsible to take around LU Serve. He lived with them on the bus for a week. And he said, I have never experienced anything like Liberty people before in my life. Everybody asked me about, and I don't want to give away on his old testimony, but the bottom line was, it's like, wait a minute now. My family will reject me if I come to Christ. After several Liberty trips to Morocco, and he became there intentionally just to be around them, through that experience, he became a follower of Jesus Christ. He still has yet to tell his family. The last time he was there in Morocco, before he's now working with Liberty, he actually moved here. His best friend went online to see what Liberty University was because he was working here. He said, you either leave that university and reject the Christian people that you're around, or I'm no longer your friend. He, when he was, the last time he was in Morocco, he went to a home of a Christian for discipleship. The police found out about it. A friend on the police force came to him and said, what were you doing in that house? He goes, well, I found out that he was just a nice person and I wanted to get to know him. He said, that man is a Christian. If you go to that house again, you're my friend. I'm telling you this. The police already know. You'll be in jail. And you'll be in jail for the rest of your life. And so he said, I got out of there. And I'm now living in the U.S. with my brothers and sisters in Christ. But I have yet to tell my family, and I'm working through this. Pray for me that I'll have the strength to do that. Because my family will reject me. And I will be arrested. If I go back to Morocco, I will be arrested. And I could be in prison for the rest of my life. Because I became a follower of Jesus. Let me tell you something. You have to hate. From their perspective, father and mother. Sister and brother. To be his disciples. Buddhists go through the same thing. Hindus go through the same thing. Many people around the world do the same thing. We don't, we don't have that. When you accepted Christ, most of you in here, not all, but most of you in here were not rejected by your family because you became a Christian. Many people in the world do, and that's the reality of it. And he says, you know what? Follow me, Paul said. Follow me as I follow the example of Christ. So that's what God is asking us to do. 
If we're going to make disciples, what we communicate to our kids, our wife, our husband, our children, our grandchildren is, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. How, you expect me to be a role model then? Yes. Lou, you need to be a role model of Jesus to them. So that they will follow an example to actually look at. A human example. Jesus, okay, he's in the Bible. But what about you? Can you look at your daughter, your son, your wife, your husband and go, follow me as I follow the example of Christ? Have we counted the cost? Luke 14, 20 to 30 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish it's like Charlie last night, we're driving down uh, Laxton Road, and we get to the light, and you're going to make a right. There's a development that was started there. And it was like someone had actually started that, you know, they had realtors in place, everything was there, and they went under. They started the project, and now another builder has to come in. So if you've been driving down there, go, what's going on with this? It's been sitting there for months. They, they didn't plan properly. It just didn't happen that way. It didn't work out that well. We, we have to count the cost, folks. And it's worth it. It's worth the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Build. But you know what? It's going to cost you. It could cost you your job. I'm not saying be a jerk on the job. Never. Be a light. But being a Christian can cost you your job. And we're going into an era in our culture that that can happen more than we actually want to realize. What does it actually cost to build a Christian home? What are the sacrifices you're going to have to make to build a Christian home? What does it take to finish the job? You just can't start it. You've got to finish it. And do we have an eternal perspective on this commitment? Do I have, you know, I'm understanding, hey, it, it's not about this life. Let me tell you, I think a lot about this life. It's not about this life. It's about a preparing for eternity. How in my relationship with Cheryl am I creating a, 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 the opportunity for her to be ready for Jesus one day? How is she living her life to help me prepare for Jesus one day? How am I creating an atmosphere for my kids to be prepared for Jesus one day and grandchildren? Because we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, Romans 6. All of us. That beam of seat judgment and the works that we've done are, are, that in the flesh are going to be burned up and it's gone. Quality workmanship and skills should be implemented. What happens when someone does a shoddy job? I think we all know. <laughs> Pardon? Bad review. Yeah. You got to redo it. Costs money. We must do good work. What are the good works we are to do in our homes? Ephesians 2.10. Someone read that for me. So what are the good works we're to do in our homes? What are those things? 
What am I doing intentionally to actually build up my spouse? What am I intentionally doing to build up my children? What am I intentionally doing to build up my grandchildren? And how are we doing this collectively as the body? Let me just stop and say this right now. I want to personally thank every one of you in here who over the years who have sacrificed your time to serve in this church. That you have taken time to work in children's ministry. That you have worked with Awana. That you have worked in, in, the, in classes with children and, and with senior adults. All the way up to senior adults. Thank you for the time that you've invested in that. When you sacrifice your time to do that, we're part of the discipleship process of all of us. Find your place and, and use your gifts for the Lord. Skills are developed over time and God uses faithfulness and blessings as we lead our families. How do we shepherd our families? Psalm 78, 70 to 72. Someone read that for me. He chose David his servant and took him from the sheep tents. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob of Israel. His inheritance and David shepherded them with integrity of heart and skillful hands. Did God just take David and go, you know, here's a, a teenager who's Complaining, sitting at home, playing video games. You know, that's wrong. What, what, would, what was David's comments? What was, what was he when he was working his family's flocks? He was a good shepherd. How was he a good shepherd? He protected the lions from lions and bears. Yeah, he protected them from lions, bears, other things, wolves. Are we protecting our spouse? Are we protecting our children and grandchildren to the best of our ability? Are we taking care of them? With skillful hands, he led them, but it was based on his past experiences. Faithfulness now, God will use later. Faithfulness now, God will use later. Be faithful in the little things. Be faithful in the little things. Be faithful in the little things. Yeah, that means everything from our attitude to the things that we say, the things that we do, what comes out of our mouth, what comes out of our hearts, what comes through our hands, where our feet go, what we do for each other. Be integrity of heart and skillful with your hands. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we love you. And we're trying. God, continue to teach us. You're not finished with us yet. And I know you're not finished with me yet. So God, I pray that we would be faithful in the little things. Faithful in the big things. That we would be men and women of integrity. And that with hard work, tenacity, and diligence, we would do our part to build our homes on the foundation of Jesus Christ. May we not use this lesson to blame, but to take personal responsibility for ourselves. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. I love you all. Have a great week.